Hey, it's Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your host of the I Heart My Life show. This is episode 101, how to be the Chanel and grow your bottom line with LaDawn Townsend. So LaDawn is someone who I absolutely adore. She came through one of our programs about four years ago and has since catapulted to massive success. She moved past all of her feelings of being unworthy to have her own brand and high-level brand at that. She raised her rates, did the mindset work, has completely transformed her body, works with super high-level clients now, and is known as the fixer that leaders love to call to help their organization grow and to also grow their bottom line. I love this conversation with LaDawn because it's raw and real about what it truly takes to be a leader and run a successful company. So if you're someone who's been in the world of corporate, you're looking to jump in and start your own business, but there's a lot of questions coming up for you, definitely listen to this episode. LaDawn shares how she questioned whether she could run her own business for about 15 years before she actually took the steps to do so. And it took corporate breaking up with her to even make that happen. So you'll see, sometimes life does it for you. So let's go ahead and dive in. I am so excited to have you here, LaDawn. Welcome to the I Heart My Life show. I am grateful to have this time with you and see what we uncover today. Oh, I'm so excited to be here, Emily. This has been uh, a part of my highlight for the week. So uh, it's always good to be able to connect back with you. And we've known each other for... Is it going on five years now or at least four? I think at least four. Let's see. Corporate broke up with me in 2014 and then I was floundering. And I think I found you in 2000, late 2015, early 16. So yeah, around four years now. Amazing. And it's always a gift when we have time to connect. And uh, one of the things that you just said that I absolutely love is corporate broke up with me and I was floundering. (laughs) And I know so many people's ears like perked up when they heard that because that's where they're at or they wonder if there's something else for them after the corporate world. So can you take us back to that point in time or even a little bit before that and tell us a little bit about where your story starts, this journey towards the mass of success that you are now, this amazing business owner. Take us back to that starting point. Oh, well, thank you, Emily. To hear amazing business owner from you is such a compliment. And and the reason I say that is when I came to you, it was on the heels of being laid off from a 20 plus year in corporate America. And so you know, if if I had a chance to sit down with your audience and have a cup of coffee with them, I would share my story of coming from an entrepreneur family, going into corporate America right out of high school um, and or primary school, I think our friends in the UK call it, and also trying to do the full-time university. And I remember sitting in class one day and my teacher said, get your bachelor's degree because that will help you earn a good salary. And at the time I was managing a team of 20 plus people And in your early 20s, I was making good money and I quit school. And then I just never decided I would always be in corporate America. I think the decision happened for me because the more money you make, (laughs) the more debt you get into. And so there's this carrot in front of you of go higher up the ladder. And before I knew it, I woke up one day in my late 30s, I'll say, and uh, I was in corporate. And it had been almost 20 plus years. And I was on this treadmill of such masculine energy that I had to get off of, but I did not know how to do it. 
And I remember the month before my entire department, including my senior managers were laid off. I just remember saying a prayer and asking, please help because I was suffocating. You know, having an executive title is nice in the beginning. And I worked from home and I worked for some amazing leaders that are exceptional and cared about their people, but I knew something was different. And then a week later, I got the call that no one else wants to get from my manager saying, Hey, LaDon, we were just let go. We have to let everyone go. And this is the end. And in that moment, I made a decision. It wasn't so much I was upset about losing an executive income. Because even when you make six figures in the US, let's be honest, it's not what we think it is um, after taxes and everything. And you don't have time. I remember I worked sick. I work on vacations. I had my BlackBerry with me all the time. And so in that moment, I just made a decision that I would never again be the woman that had no financial options. You know, as a African American woman, I had no 401k or 201k or whatever the K it was, it wasn't there. Um, and so I didn't know, I didn't even know you would get severance. It wasn't a part of my world or my plan to get laid off. And so I decided to, Hey, I was an executive. This business thing should be, should be a no brainer. And Oh boy, that's really when the journey began. And then I found you shortly after that. And so it sounds like the emotion for you was around, okay, something needs to change here. You had an awareness that this wasn't all that you wanted for your life. But in that moment, were you seeing that break up in air quotes as a blessing or was that a, a big challenge for you? Oh, it was a total blessing. You know, people ask me, did you want to cuss them out? <laughs> were you upset? I was none of the above. I said, how quickly can I get my computer back to you? And where is my severance check? <laughs> That's all I wanted to know. Because I knew that that was my opportunity to go. You know, sometimes we are guided with signals that we don't watch for. And I remember two days before I got laid off, there was a news story about a woman who was an executive and she had gotten laid off from work and she made it a go and she never had to go back to work again. And I just remember saying aloud in my kitchen, if I get that opportunity, I will never let it down. Like I will give it my all. And then two days later, you get the call. And so I was so excited. I didn't know everything that was in front of me, but coming from a family of entrepreneurs, my parents were entrepreneurs. We did so many different businesses and, and my parents had success at that. I just knew that I could be successful. I knew it wasn't always going to be easy, but I was committed to make it happen in whatever it took. And that's really when the commitment came in. And I experienced as entrepreneurs, what real sacrifice is to grow your business. Yeah. And I love this element of life essentially did it for you. And I had somebody, I forget who it was. It might've been one of the guests on the show say that to me. She's like, you know, sometimes life does it for you. And that really stood out in my mind. And I feel like this is the perfect example of it. Like you were obvious, you were clear within your heart, what was calling you, but sometimes it takes life to do it for us before we take that leap or we take the action. Yes, because sometimes when you have a call upon your life, and I want to really talk about that, and that's not rainbow or butterflies or to be over spiritually or religious. It's, it's really a call to be an entrepreneur, to lead a business, to start a business. It is a purpose. You know, one of the things we talk about um, in my company is leadership is not a position. It's a purpose. 
And in order for you, whatever idea you have to bring out to the world, for whatever reason, if you just want to make money to retire your spouse or to replace your income like it was for me, that's a calling. And sometimes in order for us to step out into our calling, we need a kick. (laughs) And that was my moment where I really felt like I had been sitting on the sidelines because even though I was an executive for all that time, I would always dream about having my own business. You know, on weekends, my friends would find me at conferences or I remember I would go to any conference workshop about anything, about learning about business. I tried many different businesses over the years. I would take months to work on the perfect website (laughs) to get it all up and running and then to do nothing with it. So I had been playing at entrepreneurship for a good 15 years and it wasn't, but I wasn't prepared. So here's the moment that a business would be very helpful, but I was nowhere near ready at all because I had not made the commitment. So sometimes we need a fire lit underneath us in order for us to step out into our purpose. In all those years, those 15 years when you're attending the conferences, building the websites, what was it that was stopping you from going all in? I think there were two things. One, I was overthinking the entire process. Um, I would get into high level vision mode, but not execution mode and really understanding what would it take to have a sustainable business. And the second, I had a unknowingly fear of sales, huge fear of sales. And I did sales in many different roles within my organization. Everyone does sales, whether I was a customer experience analyst and I had to go in and sell a group of executives as to why their <laughs> their processes and procedures had gaps in it or whether I was actually in a frontline office selling to customers face-to-face. And so sales was a big fear for me because I just felt like it was overcomplicated or I wasn't going to be smooth enough or I didn't know the words. But when I really think about it, Emily, and this is where you helped me so much was it was not having a healthy relationship with money. And even with the corporate clients that we work with, we really talk about this topic because my relationship with money was so broken that I thought the only way I could make money was really through a corporate job. But then I didn't know really how to value the money that I had. And so therefore, I was not in a place where I could call in more money because what I, what I see it as my receiving, my receiving lane was blocked with junk. So, so money couldn't have even come to me because I had so much disbelief and negative tapes in, in the highway, the money truck couldn't come to me. And so once I finally understood my value and worth as a woman, then as a female CEO, then it started to click for me. And I'll never forget, it was a part of our orientation call in your program. And we filled out the packet and there was a question around how much money do you want to make? I knew the number, 65000 a month, nothing below. And I remember I boldly got on the call <laughs> and I shared that number with you. And I just thought she is going to be so proud of me because I am standing in my truth. And I said the number and you paused for a minute and I said, oh, she paused. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. And, and looking back what I understood and, and, and you had coached me through in that moment of, okay, we can get there, but you knew what it took to build a five and six figure a month business and all of the work on yourself and the work in the business. And so I remember in that moment, I said, okay, 
I'm going to trust this process that I invested in. I'm going to trust this leader. I'm, I'm going to, you know, be guided and I'm not going to put away that goal, that number, but I'm going to refocus and ask myself a different question as to how much money I want to make. And I remember in the beginning, just making an extra $500 a month would have been like phenomenal. I remember when I did my first sale, it was some program for like $189 or something. And when I saw those funds come in, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. After years of it not happening. And so that was the biggest takeaway for me. And when all of those things started to click and come into place, looking back on the 15 years that I sort of spun my wheels, I didn't really take it seriously because the corporate paycheck was there. It's called what I call it. It's a, and it's addiction to the paycheck <laughs> because when right. it comes every two weeks or it comes every month, you know, it's, it's a little, it's a little easier to dream about the one day when the check comes in. And one of the things I teach my clients is whatever bill you have, that's the largest, that should be your first goal to replace that bill, but from your business paying for it, because then it becomes real. It becomes really real because you have to address your money issues. So it was the money story, hands down, yeah. that was the biggest block for me. Thank you for sharing all of that. And I know we're going to go a little bit deeper with some of your, your biggest learnings and ahas throughout our work together and obviously beyond. But I'm curious to know for everyone listening, at the start of the program that you did with us, which happened to be iHeart Coaching, were you clear on the type of business or did you just know the amount of money you wanted to make? Oh, I'm so glad you asked me that question. Um, I remember that I had enrolled into a previous course that you did. Like it, it wasn't, it was a different one. And just being around the circle of people shifted my mindset. And for me in that moment, I, I was still not making money. I, I wasn't even eligible for unemployment. Like it was so sad. <laughs> it was so sad. People who think you leave corporate and it's so easy to get a job or there's all these resources. It's not, it, it's so not. And so I remember when I enrolled into iHeart Coaching, the, the de- what I made an error with is that I was not really living in my own truth. And so I had a lot of colleagues and friends who were doing different type of coaching, life coaching, health coaching, you know, business coaching. And I remember I just thought, okay, I'm just going to follow, not follow them, but there must be a model or a blueprint. Because again, when you come from corporate for so long, it's like, where's the blueprint? Like, where is the plan? Where's the project plan? So I was just looking for the structure, right? But in what I found through your program, and there was a day that really was breakthrough for me, I call it the Chanel day. I don't don't know if you remember it, but it was... Of course I remember. Oh my gosh, because I did not see my true worth and value of what I really do as a strategist, of really digging in and helping companies grow. I thought, well, I've done that for 20 years for companies, but no one, you know, is that really interesting? And so I remember my programs were so confusing because I wasn't clear on my purpose. And there was a day where I was sharing on the call about you know, should I do this price? And I even remember the prices. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Horrendous. <laughs> they were so low. I do. I mean, I think it was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, it was like, it, they're not available at this price ever again. Right. So, um, but I think it was like a four month, like full on business process improvement, plus strategy, plus training with the team and like all the stuff that we charge way more now. And it was like, 
$2,500 or something, something ridiculous. Yeah. So I was struggling and I was like, well, let's do this. But I'm like, but looking back on it, a real business, a real company that would have needed that service would not have hired me for that amount because the amount didn't reflect the value. They probably would have thought I didn't know what I was doing. And so on the call, I was really challenged. And you said, you said, when you go into Chanel, Chanel doesn't have a clearance rack. And that was like, whew, that's so true. Chanel is Chanel. You go in, that's the price. And you said, be the Chanel. And that shifted everything for me because it was like, yeah, I, I do have something of value, of high value, and there's nothing to feel ashamed for. And then when I dug into that, what I realized, and I think a lot of female business owners fall into this is we are worried about what other people are going to think about us. Even me, strong, deep personality. In that moment, I was like, why am I so afraid to fully show up? And it was because, you know, no one else I knew was doing what I was doing. So I immediately thought it was wrong or it wasn't going to be attractive. But true leaders will lead out a a vision that no one else is doing. I mean, when you think about Apple today, he, Steve Jobs was laughed at. When you think about Tesla, and there's an amazing video interview of Elon Musk, you know, when he had his comeback a few years ago, and they played all of these industry experts first being interviewed, talking about his downfall. And he's watching this, this, this man that has a billion dollar organization, he's watching people slam him. And then he gets to talk about the success he had and the, 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 the failures and the money he went through and he started to cry. And so I, I can relate to that because I understand. And I, once I carried out that vision and I knew what I was supposed to do, then everything fell into place. And then I could really engage with the work because, and I remember I went back through to, to module one because now I understood what I was going to go for. And I dug in and I did the work and I, I cut out relationships that weren't aligned. I mean, I went all in because again, when I enrolled in your program, the business wasn't flowing. So I had made a decision to go back to work primarily to get funds to invest in my learning because I couldn't get approved for a loan, a credit a nothing anywhere. I mean, I got 35 no's in 90 days from every type of what you, I should have been qualified for because I fit the profile. But I remember bank after bank and I just sat there and I said, okay, I need to learn how to grow this business. I need to work with experts. And so I packed up my car and I had a resume and a prayer and I moved to Austin, Texas uh, to get a job because I had heard they were hiring. If it didn't work, I could go back home um, because no one hired me after almost two years of being let go. There, there were there were no calls on my resume. There were people calling asking why would you apply for something you're so overqualified? And this was at a time where the severance was running out. There, there was no funding. There was no public assistance. I'm, I'm just being transparent. I, I think I got a letter one time saying we'll give you fifty dollars in public assistance, and then a week later I got a letter saying you're not qualified. <laughs> I wow. said. You could have kept the $50 and the envelope to send this letter on. And so I packed up. I moved to a city where I knew no one. Um, I quickly got a job I was so thankful for. And I kept my expenses low for two years. And I invested nearly 60% of my paycheck into my learning for my business and any other resource I needed. And that was because I needed it. So when you told me that moment of be the Chanel, what came flooding for me was all of those sacrifices. And, and I would take that call, like, 
in a cubby room or somewhere on my break at work, <laughs> just long enough to answer, get my question answered and go back to a full day of meetings. And so I was all in and that was the shift I needed. And then I just ran with the strategy model from there. Yeah, thank you for breaking that down for everyone. And I want to highlight a few pieces. So number one, I think it's really important because when people, they when they leave a corporate career or they're just starting a business, regardless of the circumstance, they think that they need to know everything and they think that they're supposed to know everything. And that's just not the case. Like if you knew everything, you would be further ahead. And if you're just at the beginning, you have to put all the pieces together and you have to build a foundation. And so you knew that there was a skill set, but for you, it was a worthiness piece. It was a money piece. It was, are people going to actually pay for this? And once you figured out that you could stand out from the crowd, really own your worth, be the Chanel, things started to really fall in place for you. But it took time for you to put those pieces together and create your package, create the offering, figure out the price point. And I just want to really highlight that because you you jumped in and you did the work. And a lot of people think like it's just, I don't know, it's going to be handed to them or they should already know it. And, and they don't realize that it's a process and you have to gain clarity with time. Exactly. You you do. And that was the biggest thing. So when we had that conversation about be the Chanel, that was weeks after my $65,000 goal. And I just remember when I finally realized I can give myself time, it took the pressure off because I was so pressed that I needed to make $65,000 a month within the next 90 days. I remember that so clearly. And I'm like, no. <laughs> like, right. Like, That's another thing for people who are jumping into a business. Sometimes they think, Oh, I want to leave my job ASAP. And obviously that's a great goal. And that's what I desire for our clients. But at the same time, it puts a lot of pressure on the business. Mm -hmm. And for a new business, that's a lot of weight to carry. And so if you can have some sort of, of an investor, whether it's your job or a loan, or, or like you said, that wasn't an option, but you went back and you got a job so that you could fund this dream and you didn't have to stretch yourself or try and fill a, a bucket that wasn't actually um, able to receive 65K a month yet. You didn't have to try to force that to fit um, in the very beginning. You could take your time and do this the right way and actually build a foundation that would be able to sustain the big vision that you have. Exactly. And I'm, I love the fact that you said the job can be an investor because sometimes people will say a job is just over broke or it's, you know, your average if you have a job. A job is one of the best things because for me going back to work, what it gave me was peace. It gave me a sense of peace so I could then focus on the business because you're not pressed to make a sale to pay the bill. And this happens with all businesses. And I, I don't think it's really as transparently talked about, um, especially when it talks to the online business and the coaching space. It doesn't pop overnight, right? You have to be able, one, you need to know clearly what you do. You need to clearly articulate it. You must be able to have a sales conversation. Sometimes I talk to people and they say, well, I want to have $10,000 packages or $5,000 packages. Somebody is going to want to get on the phone with you. They're not just going to always swipe a credit card for that. So you have to be prepared. And there are certain steps that have to do that. And so when I did that, I remember one of the joyous moments, because I had a goal when I got into iHeart Coaching was I was going to quit my job before our, I think it was London event. 
And um, I was going to go there as a full-time entrepreneur. And I just remember saying, why don't you just enjoy going there? Because the year before, uh, I had set a goal to go to Paris for my birthday. Um, And I was trying to do the business thing. And I remember it just didn't happen. And so here I am a year later. And I had grown so much in my mindset and confident in what I did in my business. And I knew how to be able to go and do that. And the trip was coming up and I decided to treat myself to actually stay at the Ritz London because what I realized is all of everything I had just went through, it was time for me to really start living the type of life I wanted. And so having the job allowed me to be able to go on the trip the way I wanted to. So therefore I could get the confidence I needed in order to shift and then build the business more. So it all, all of this is investments in ourselves and, and in our mindset and as leaders of what we can really go for. And I, I remember that trip was, it was so special because um, I don't even know why I'm going to cry. <laughs> but Oh, it's perfect. Love it. Because I had went through so much hell to get back on my feet. And I spent two years like working full-time in my job for like 70 hours a week. I worked for an amazing company with great leaders. And I worked, no joke, 40 hours a week in my business. Once I understood what I was doing, I would get up and I didn't have money for Facebook ads. So I would get up in the morning and I would cold call London because it was 9 a.m. there. And I would try and get free strategy sessions and I gave it all away for free, way too much. There's even people today, they remember me. They were like, oh, yeah, you helped turn our company around on a free call. I'm like, gosh, dog it. Um, And so, but I built some amazing relationships with people. And so that would be 4 a.m. And then I'd go to work. And then on my lunch hour, I would read something for my mindset or I would market even more. And then after work, I would do the same thing for a few hours. Then I would go to bed and I had Sundays off. I just took Sundays off. And so I remember going to London and just being present and learning what it really meant to be present. Because when you come from corporate for so long, you don't know how to be present because you're trying to play the game of, you know, chess moves of who to get ahead of the political, you know, red tape of your position. And, oh, this person is a VP. No, not an SVP. Oh, are you an EVP? Oh, you're a double EVP. I mean, it's like, it's so ridiculous. And I just remember I was finally there. And what I said to myself is it doesn't matter that we're not making the 65,000 a month today. You are in a room of people who are pouring into you. You have just traveled internationally for the first time, which now I love traveling internationally. Um, can't, I can't get enough of it. And so I allowed myself to be present. And one of the things, especially those that are coming from a corporate background, the adjustment and the time, the, the reason why I started to cry right now is because I had hurt myself my myself, my 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 inner self, by grinding and hustling and being such an amazing executive employee for so long that I remember when I finally let go of all that, it was as if I had physically hurt myself because I thought that was the only way you could live was in that high gear. And as women, we can get in the high gear. I do not believe that we are meant to be in high gear all the time. I believe there's flow. I believe there's passion. I believe there's adrenaline, but I believe there's a way we can perform in the highest ways and not burn out our adrenals, 
hurt ourselves physically, have to be so exhausted at the end of the day. And so this whole journey of building a business, that's why I said the real sacrifice and the real journey began after the layoff is because I was reintroduced to myself again. And I didn't even know who that was for such a long time. That's so powerful for you to share, LaDawn. And I just want to highlight that for everyone listening. And part of the reason why our company is called I Heart My Life is because it's about loving your life and loving yourself. And although we work with mainly entrepreneurs, it's about so much more than just business strategy. And so what you're sharing, LaDawn, is exactly what we love doing. We love helping people reconnect with who they truly are. And for us, a lot of times people come and they want luxury and they want travel and they want new experiences. And one of the joys of my career thus far is seeing women like you literally get a passport or travel internationally for the first time, stay in beautiful five-star hotels. And it's not about the action. It's about giving yourself permission and finally feeling worthy of all of those things that are literally right there and available for everyone. But for so long and so often, we we don't allow ourselves to have them or we think that we're not worthy or for whatever reason, we think it's out of reach. And so you really stepped up and not only, like you said, did you give the program um, your all, you actually gave yourself your all. And so you decided like, this is when things are going to change and I'm going to figure out who I am, what I really want and do it in a way that feels good to me. And, you know, you hit the nail on the head. I think that for us as women, yes, of course, action and hard work is important, but also like feeling joy and being lit up and being in experiences and surroundings that like bring you so much and and fill you up. I think that's so important as well. Yeah, you're, you're spot on about that. Because when I started really going through that, and I really started loving myself more, I remember that um, I had before I joined the program, I was on this healthy living journey and, and, and I had made significant progress. And then I sort of stopped. But I just remember, I also had to book my first photo shoot in London, because I was like, if I'm going to London, I'm doing a photo shoot. I just you had got me all into that. I was like, you can have luxury and business. I'm in I didn't even know this was <laughs> possible. Um, and I remember I, I had my first photo shoot. And I so enjoyed it. And and then I looked at the pictures and I loved the pictures. And but then I started traveling more and doing more things. And, and then I shifted into well, how do I keep my body fueled and my mindset fueled? And James helped a lot with that. I, I think I had pulled him aside at the event. And I said, James, I just need you for a minute. I was feeling a bit overwhelmed. I was, you know, all of this stuff, right? And and he really helped coach me through that and started to talk with me about how are you nurturing your physical body? Like, are you getting rest? Are you eating right? Um, and so that whole, this whole journey has helped me with that. It's not even getting over the money story that's major, but then also how I want to look and feel and show up as a woman. You know, I was confident as a plus size woman. I'm still plus size now. Um, But regardless, if I was a size 24 or if I was a size um, 14, we're still trying to get to that 10. (laughs) Um, You know, amazing, by the way. Thank you so much. Um, But it really just helped me find myself of who I am and what I want to do. And, you know, now looking at real estate and dreaming about 
what I want and, and not just dreaming about it, but talking with architects and builders and what is this and, and real estate agents and, you know, really putting myself in that. So now my dream board isn't just a dream board that'll sit there for 15 years like it did before. I really tie this into my business of how do we make this happen? Because now it's just a part of my life. And don't you think it's literally just about making a decision? Oh, it is hands down about just making the decision. And one of the things, and I'm extremely analytical, so I would overthink a lot of the stuff. And even now when I get into the analytical piece, like kid you not, I've needed to purchase a painting for my office wall for three weeks now. So I start looking and then I get overwhelmed. And I'm like, what is the deal? Like, this is not the last painting you'll ever buy. And it's because I have a certain look that I want for my office. And I kid you not, Emily, this is what I came to the realization with. I said, well, what's the deal? Why don't you want to buy this picture, LaDawn? Go to Amazon, buy one. Just get it up. Like we're all working virtually now. You need to jizz it up a little bit. I don't want to do like the Zoom virtual backgrounds and stuff and look shadowy. And so I've been putting it off. And you know what it morphed into? I said, no, I'm ready to buy my first home. That's what it is. So not buying the picture (laughs) was my internal self saying, I don't want to hang anything else on (laughs) this wall. And so I had to step in and have this internal conflict. And if you think you won't have this internal conversation with yourself, you will. And I just had to say, what's the short term? What's the long term? Because I'm always thinking long term, right? I only can make sixty five thousand a month. I'm not open for anything else. Well, making five thousand a month in your business is nothing to sneeze at either, right? Like, like some people just making an extra five hundred a month will be a blessing to them. So it's it's uh, still to this day, I'm still very aware of my internal feelings, and sometimes it's just a decision. So I made the decision. We're getting the painting, and then I made the decision. How do we buy a home? <laughs> like, what is that process? Right. And then, it, but there was so much block. So sometimes the smallest block, the smallest block is trying to teach you something way bigger. Same thing with my business model and my clients and, and you know, things that, that we used to do. And now I'm like, mm, that doesn't really fit for me anymore. I, I want to do something different. And that's what's exciting about having your own business. Yeah. And I want to get to that in a second, but first this, this money piece. So I think people need to really understand that even if your desire for the 65 K is there, that is valid. And I know that I felt, um, that your desire for that LaDon years ago was valid. But like you said, I also knew what it takes and what it would take for you to get there. And so I always think that it's really important to have, you know, you're have, you have one foot here in the present, or you can bounce back and forth, but you're in the present, you know what the money goals are for literally this month or the next 90 days or whatever it is for this chapter or period of time that you and your business are in. That doesn't mean that we forget about the 65K because of course that's possible for you. But we also want to make sure that we are connected and energetically aligned with where the business is currently at. Because if something does feel too far off in the future, we're not going to bring it in and call it in in the same way we would for something that is, you know, right here and available for us. And we also have to think about what are we, what do we have the ability to receive? What does the business have the ability to receive? And so I love what you said, like we can focus on the painting now for the office because we deserve to feel good in this moment and have a beautiful space and simultaneously think, okay, well, what is the plan? What does it look like for us to move forward with that, that big picture vision, which is the house? 
Exactly. And then, and then the next step, and I think this is where sometimes um, we as women get lost, is we stay in the long term and we don't pause to say, what are the steps I need to do to get to the long term goal? Right. So sometimes we can stay so focused in, um, you know, the 30 day goal, 90 day goal. I need to make this amount of money. But 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 OK. So we know that if you have you you have something of value, a product or service and you're you're in integrity, we know that if you've been given the vision, you'll have the provision. So that's already done. Like we don't have to stress about that. Right. But then what we what we hold ourselves back with is really stepping into what I call the CEO mode, which is challenging for a lot of people, men and women, especially women, to say they're a CEO and saying, how does my business need to operate and be structured to hit the long-term? Because it's one thing to say the long-term goal and it feels really good and have the vision board and go look at the model homes or go drive the car, go look at the clothes you want to buy. But it's a totally different thing when you get into the daily discipline in your business to make that happen. And that's been a shift for me. Even, Even in these last few years, the daily discipline, there's things that I have to do that I don't want to do. <laughs> like it's not like this phase of my business, you know, we're scaling and there's just days where it's like not fun all the time, right? Like there, there's no Instagram hashtag moment, right? Like it's the team meetings or did the project get updated or where's the spreadsheet? Like it's not glamorous. It's just has to get done. But when all those things get done, then I can have the fun moments. And so have your long-term goal, but then don't forget the execution and the activity to get there. I'm so passionate about that because that was another piece of what held me back. I would set a goal, I'd do a vision board, and then I would not hold myself accountable to show up every day and do something to get there. And what do you think shifted that really made it so that you know this became non-negotiable for you and you were actually showing up and taking the action, even on those days when, like you said, it doesn't feel good and it's not fun, which I think people are um, a bit delusional about as well. But <laughs> what was it that really shifted for you? You know, London was a huge shift for me because I had never traveled internationally before and I decided to do it in a big way. I remember I went um, I, I rented a black car. I, I didn't even know what black car service was. Um, I had been in limos before, but I didn't know you could have a private car. And that totally changed. Like, it's sort of like when people say you fly first class, you will never go behind the curtain again. <laughs> like, you will just okay. It's like, no. Like, even now, I do a lot of international travel for speaking and for clients. And I'm in business class, <laughs> but it's still not first class. And it's just something I was doing the last flight. And this is all a part of what inspires me. We were onboarding and, and this woman was, you know, she was sitting, she had all of her, it was a 22 hour flight or something. She had her blanket, her pashmina, and she had the champagne glass in her hand. And I was schlepping in. <laughs> sweaty and with grumbling people. And I just said, this is not right. (laughs) This is just not right. But I, but she was such a messenger for me to say, girl, get in first class. Every time I see the first class people, I feel like that's what they're saying to me. Um, And so what pushes me is just realizing that life can be different. You know, when you, when I went to London, I took a trip over for the day to Paris and oh my gosh, I mean, if you've never traveled internationally in your life, you've got to do it once. Now I'm hooked. You know, I love being an American. I love living in the U.S., but I'm a little stir crazy right now because I need some Europe in my life. 
<laughs> we can't travel there. You know, I'm like, oh, I need to get back to Switzerland and, you know, just things like that. And so those are the things that push me. So now when I set goals, it's not just goals for the business. I really think about the life I want. Um, you know, I've had this business for six years. It's been growing, you know, even with the current COVID that's going on, it, I was already reflecting last year about what do we need to do differently? How do we need to pivot? What can we change? Cause energetically it wasn't really flowing for me anymore. You know, I did a lot of in-person one-on-one work with clients, whether it was doing a business audit for a 23 acre facility or working with customers in India with their, you know, 10 man executive team or, um, a team in New York of 22 executive. I love what I do. Um, and I needed to shift it so it could scale faster and I could really be excited about my day again. And so I keep remembering that first trip to London because that really solidified the type of life that I want and the type of life that I'm worthy for. And so when I get out of alignment and I feel like I'm going too much in the masculine um, or, and there's times where you will just be in that masculine. There's just things that need to get done. It's a season. It's not the rest of your life. But when I find that mm, this isn't flowing for me, I pause and I ask, what do I want for my life? And then when I made that decision recently, things shifted. The right team members came in, the right marketing. We just went through a rebrand. It all started to flow. It only took six years, <laughs> but it's okay because my original branding was so bad, but I still had a business. Um, and so now it's just flowing more. And I think it's because I've stepped into being a female founder as a business even more and really also being unapologetic about the goals that I'm going for. That's beautiful. And I love that your heart is the thing that's guiding you. And I really feel like at I Heart My Life, obviously, that's a huge part of our work. And I think so many women were detached from our desires. We're in denial about our desires. We feel doubt about our desires. We uh, worry about what people are going to think if they find out what it is that we really want. And all of that energy is just such a waste. If you actually just listen to your heart and what was guiding you and acknowledged what it was that you truly wanted for your life and allowed your actions to be dictated by those dreams, like you would have so much energy freed up so much like life would be joyful again. Like you said, you'd be in alignment, the money would be flowing, the clients would be coming in, the doors would be opening. But it's like so many people are blocked. Yeah. And and I want to also add to that. That's so excellent what you just said, because the block can happen and the block is real. And the block will happen when you least expect it or you're aware of it. Sometimes we have these imaginations or thoughts that go on that we think are okay. And I just did a post today about this. When we make decisions, are you making a decision about what you feel is right for you or what's right for your future? Because how you feel is, is irrelevant. If it's, if, it, if you have something that you're supposed to be called to. And one of the things that was also in this journey for me is really being clear on the life partner that I want. Now, I know this isn't the iHeart dating show or, or relationship advice, even though I'm still waiting for your book. Whenever you write that book, like I so want to see that book about relationships. But um, I remember you said that I love it. She has a book. She helped me with money. <laughs> Where's the book about men? <laughs> I forgot about that. I haven't written that one yet. Um, and so one of the things that's really helped me, and I think a lot of single women struggle with, um, I don't know about the married ladies is, and I've heard this in different conversations with friends over the years, even some of my married friends, it's, 
if I really show up fully as the woman I'm called to be, will I not be attractive to men? Will I be alone by myself? Will I be offensive to those men? Will my husband feel a certain way about me? And I remember as a part of me downplaying who I was for so long, I was also subconsciously living in that. And so now I'm so thankful that I am still single because it was a journey for me to be able to really know my worth and value and who I am as a woman. So therefore I knew the type of man that I want. And you can attract that type of man because for those women that you are called to something that not all women are called to, you know, when you are a leader, you really, a lot of the times are alone. It, it, it's a lonely position in the sense of you're, there's just not a lot of people in that lane. Right. And so sometimes that can feel as single ladies, it's a hesitation for us to really step out of who we are because, well, we always remain single. And what I've had to come to understand is that when you are a powerful woman, you are called to have a powerful partner. Now, his power will show up differently than yours. But if you downplay who you are, you could miss out on an amazing relationship because who you are is truly going to attract that man. And so I just really felt called to share that piece because that was the thing that held me back for years of having a business. Well, how do I explain that? Even now, it's really funny about explaining some of that on dating profiles. But it's like, and you know, you're on a date and they're like, oh, so you're the CEO. You're not like just an analyst. I'm like, no. And, you know, and then the date's over. But <laughs> that's a totally different thing. But, you know, you really have to stand confident in who you are because all of this, whether it's your money, it's how much money you want to make, the relationship you want to have, the house you want to live in, the travel you want to go on, it will start with you creating and standing for your own boundary in your life and not letting anyone sway you left or right. That's beautiful. I love that. And LaDawn, I know that we could take this in a million different directions and probably speak for a good two hours here today. But I'm curious to know, like, obviously, it's been six years, your company has grown, you've shifted, you've realigned, you've hired, you've, you know, traveled all the things. What would you say are your top lessons for all the new entrepreneurs and business owners who are listening who want to learn from your journey? I would say number one, is you have to know how to sell. And I know that's not an attractive thing. And, and, and I believe in there's ways you can manifest things coming to you, but you must learn the skill of being able to present your ability of what you do, your product you have, and to bring someone through a story with you to get them to say yes. We're finding now, and the reason I bring that up is even the established businesses that we work with, whether they're doing 15 million a year or 250 million a year, sales is such a, a heartbeat of a company that we're finding so many people have focused on marketing that they miss the sales piece. And so a new entrepreneur, learn how to sell first off the bat. Secondly, what in the world do you do that can bring value to someone's life? <laughs> <laughs> The reason I say that is, you know, I'm all for those, like, and I don't mean to offend anyone, but, you know, I've heard it all like, well, I help you bring more energy to your life. My friend, we are coming out of one of the worst parts in U.S. history, global history since the Great Depression. This is a global number. I do a lot of work internationally. Um, I talk to my colleagues in India and in Africa. People are 
reevaluating what they invest their money in. And so you need to be clear as to what problem do you solve? Don't be fairy tale about, I help you get more energy. I want you to get more aligned. I want you to be happier. Amazing, right? But why should they invest with you? When you get those two things down, you will see your business accelerate. And I think the third thing is, is, and this is so important, is you have to be very sacred about your own personal space and those that have access to you. You know, it's never an easy thing, but it is a thing that must be done because the energy that people bring to you will either lift you up or it will tear you down or it will leave you feeling blah. And so you need to be able to move and you'll grow in this to move into a space where other people's energy doesn't affect you. You can still love on them. You can still be there for them, but it does. it's not like a drainer. It's not like a downer because your energy, when you're down, when you're not wanting to do things in your business, what happens is you're delaying the momentum you're delaying progress and you you can you can't get all of your lost time back so you have to be sacred about your energy i remember something you had said one time emily about a family vacation or something years ago and people were like oh there's a local hilton or something or something a marriott there and your coach was telling you you cannot stay at the hilton <laughs> you cannot stay there yeah. do you remember that and i was yeah, like, i think it was a family trip to italy and my dad like i really wanted to stay at this beautiful hotel in positano that i knew that i loved and my mom loved and he's like oh well i don't really want to spend that and i was like no we are staying there <laughs> and i remember when you said that i was like oh that's so controversial. Like, how do you tell your family? But now I am like, "Mm -mm, no, I'm very sacred about my space, my time, my peace. Um, And so those are the three things I would really say as an entrepreneur, as an early phase, if you get those things down and you build that discipline, it will carry you through when the really tougher things come in your business that you have to deal with, like a team member doesn't work out or your marketing goes out and it's all wrong. Or there's something, you know, like we sent out marketing. I was so excited. I'm like, hmm, it's just a post. There's nothing there. Or like, it's the wrong post or there's a typo. Or look, that's a picture from two years ago. Like my photographer called me to LaDawn. I said, I love that picture. She says, you don't even look that same anymore. You can't use it. Because people thought it was a stock photo. I was like, what? No, that's me like 60 pounds ago. But so you just got to build that discipline. And that's the fourth thing. Discipline. Look, we know what we're not disciplined in. We know everything that you're not disciplined in will cost you financially in your business. It'll cost you opportunities. So put on your big girl stilettos, throw on some red lipstick and get disciplined in your business. Couldn't have said it better myself. Love it. <laughs> so tell us, Duladon, what are you excited for coming up? I know that you and I spoke before this episode. You have some things that are happening. What's coming up for you and your company? I'm so excited. So Voss University, it is the number one destination for leaders to go to, to learn how to scale and grow their organization. Um, I am so passionate about that. We have taken a lot of the traditional consultant work that's done face-to-face, and we have programs available for early phase entrepreneurs to those that are juggernauts. We call a juggernaut a 50 million above uh, year annual revenue company and even for some of the government agencies that we're talking to. So, you know, I'm passionate about this because it's time to shift in the model of how we service businesses. And so this online university gives us that opportunity to bring a personalized touch. You still get 
you can still get one-on-one or group service with individuals. But our goal is not just to, I don't want to just teach you how to make the dinner. Uh, I don't want to make the dinner for you. I want to teach you how to make the dinner. Um, and so that's a big piece of it. And then also we're hosting our third annual Accelerator Summit. The last two were in Miami. Um, we were doing it in India this year, but with all of the restrictions, I don't think we're, that's not going to fly, but we are going to be doing it virtually. So people can visit bossgroup.org to find out all the details and all of the stuff that's going on. And and I'm just excited to even say that because this was not the case a few years ago, right? It was like, I'm just trying to figure out how to sell one package at $199. So even just saying all that out loud was such a surreal full circle moment for me, Emily. Thank you so much for letting me share that. Oh, it's my pleasure. And the feeling's mutual to think about the woman you were just a few years ago. And, and you know, when we met four years ago, however long it was, you were a completely different person. Like, I, I can't even express this to the audience, everything that's shifted. And it's a testament to everything that you shared in terms of the discipline, showing up, actually doing the work. And I want to highlight one other thing. You followed the coaching. And there's so many instances of people getting into our programs and not going through the mindset work, not building the foundation, not getting the clarity on their ideal client, just putting anything they can think of out into the world. And it baffles me because they've just spent all this money to learn from myself and my team. And then they're not even following the steps. So if I can highlight one more thing here is follow the coaching. And LaDon is the perfect example of why that works. Yes, follow the coaching. Even today, I log into the program and I'm like, oh, what was that module on this? And I'll listen to it, whether it was on copywriting or marketing or the mindset work, um, I'll log into it. So you're, you're never done learning as a, as a leader. Never. You, you've never arrived. <laughs> you've never arrived. There's always something new that you're learning. Um, and so do the work. And you have to ask yourself, if you're not willing to do the work, if you're not willing to take that direction and path, do you really want to be a business owner? Or is this sort of a fun, expensive hobby? Because when the program's over, and you're in your day to day in your business, and you have to be disciplined, you if you continue to just, you know, go off on wild adventures and paths, and you you're gonna, your team's not going to stay because they're going to see that there's no order. And there's really no vision A vision is not confused. A vision is extremely clear on where you go. And it just goes back to that discipline piece. So yeah, I, I'm excited for the people that go through this next round. I, I, I love the program. Um, it gave me such a kickoff for what I needed and really helped me build some foundations for my business. Thanks, LaDon. So one final question. We ask all of our guests on the show this question. What is one way in which you'd recommend people create a life better than their dreams? One way would be to be extremely honest on what their desires are. So I have something where I call my desire list. So it used to be the vision board. It used to be the dream list. And so when I'm in the mode of making any decision on something for my life, I first say, okay, LaDon, what is your desire? Is your desire to live in a certain city? Is your desire to have a certain mate? Is your desire to have a certain outfit? Like, don't base your decisions on what you think your bank account is. Base your decisions on your desire because when you do that, it will help shift you into the right activity to overcome the money blocks in order to make the money to have that life, right? So it's even, I remember when we first were in the program, 
there was someone who had shared, you know, maybe, or you had shared with us, maybe it's buying flowers for yourself every week, or maybe it's like at a really expensive piece of chocolate. And I love chocolate. And I remember after hearing that, I said, I'm going to go to this place called Whole Foods that I've never been in my life. And, and what <laughs> I just thought, I was like, oh my God, I heard like the chicken is like $20 a pound. Like who spends that money? Right. And so I went in there and I said, I'm going to buy a piece of chocolate. Now I was still like in the throes of working and budgeting and, and I had like $10 and I said, okay. So I went in and I went to some counter and I bought like $6 worth of chocolate. It was like four little pieces. I was like, who does this? This is insane. But it was the best chocolate ever. And then I said, I will never go back to, <laughs> to a different experience. So that was my desire. So sometimes it's just really small. But that was, I mean, if you're spending more than 50% of your savings on chocolate, it's really <laughs> You pause for a minute, like, oh my God, am I going to get the $6 back? And then I realized, LaDawn, yes. And, but it was a good experience, but I was so panicked over the $6 chocolate. And so now I'm just like, you know, it, but it's different things. There's other bigger goals that I have now. And I'm like, oh my gosh, who does this? And then I remember, what's your desire? Everything will come. So start with your desires and end with your desires and always leave with your desires. Love it. So true. Your desires are meant for you. Awesome, LaDon. So one more time, can you give our all of our listeners your contact information where they find you online, where they can follow you? Yes, you can go to B as in Victor, osgroup.org. And if you want to hear more about my personal story, in case you guys, you know, are just interested in that, you can visit ladontownsend.com and read a little bit more about my background. And we'll direct you to all the places there to some of our free gifts and offerings for you. And um, of course, on all social media, I'm at Ladon Townsend. Beautiful. Thank you so much for your time. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful to have been a witness to your journey. And I know that you've done incredible things over the last few years, but I really do believe it's just the start of such a beautiful life and a beautiful brand and vision all coming out to all coming together, I should say. And uh, yeah, just excited to see what's next for you, Ladon. I hope you loved today's episode. LaDawn is so inspirational and truth be told, it was surreal for me to have her on the show and hear everything that she's been up to over the past few years. She completely has transformed her life and she's a very different person than when I first met her and a testament to what happens when you invest in yourself and move forward with your dreams. If you're looking for radical transformation like LaDawn has experienced and you want to work with us closely at I Heart My Life, Go to iheartmylife.com. Check out all of our courses, all of our live programs, and everything that's available to support you in moving forward with your vision. You can even book a call with us at iheartmylifebooking.com. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the I Heart My Life show. For more inspiration, success tips, and ways to achieve your life and business goals, definitely follow me on Facebook and Instagram on I Heart My Life Now. See you next time.